Warrior chief and Indian maid You put us on a screen that way Paints and wigs in olden days Everything but our red gaze Hey-yo, hey-ya, hey-yo Hoo-ya, Welcome to The Red Gaze, the program where we critique native-themed films based on our perspective as the native audience. A podcast where we discuss what films get right, what they get wrong, and how we apply the red gaze to what could have been. Hello, hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Red Gaze. Hopefully you are regulars by now. Yeah. <laughs> I am here today with my fellow movie aficionados. Hey, give, us a new, give us a new name. Marley Finns, Marley Finley, Dosha, Mariah Crow Eagle. Hello, hello. Ben Nils Landon. Hey, what's up? And today we have a special episode of Red Gaze. We have fan favorites. So we're welcoming <laughs> to our podcast today, Angel Moniz. What's up? Yay! So first fan. <laughs> this is our first fan favorite episode. Our fan favorite episodes are going to be: Hey, if you're a fan and you want to talk about a special movie, a favorite movie, call us up, email us, add us on Twitter, whatever. Send smoke, smoke Send signals. Some smoke signals. Uh, let us know that you want to be on the pod, and hey, we'll be like, heck yeah, come on, be on our pods. So. <laughs> So today we are going to be talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, right? Boo. Yeah. Classic. Oh, <laughs> oh, someone's got tomatoes <laughs> ready. <laughs> um, so the movie description says, when Randall Patrick McMurphy, played by Jack Nicholson, gets transferred for evaluation from a prison farm to a mental institution, he assumes it will be a less restrictive environment. But the Martinet nurse, Ratchet, played by Louise Fletcher, runs a psychiatric ward with an iron fist, keeping her patients cowed through abuse, medication, and sessions of electroconvulsive therapy. The battle of wills between the rebellious McMurphy and the inflexible Ratchet soon affects all of the ward's patients. And we have the director, Milos Forman, uh, starring Jack Nicholson, Louise Fletcher, William Redford, Christopher Lloyd, and Danny DeVito. Ooh, a young day. Young, yes. Comb over with that comb over. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to see him that young right? looking. I was and Christopher Lloyd too. Yeah. That was his oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I recognize oh, was it? it. Yeah, it was his film debut in yeah. this one year. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. The film had a budget of three million dollars and it made hundred and sixty three point three million. Oh, and whoa. one thing I found about the budget too is it was a three million dollar budget. And one million one million dollars of the budget was for Jack Nicholson. Holy so, so we had to stretch the other two million for everybody else. Oh, Nobody got paid. It's always it's always the white guy overpaid. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the rest of you are gonna have to work for Indian tacos. Yeah, yeah. Go find me. Yeah, go find me. So this is a classic movie. IMDb says eight point seven out of ten, and Rotten Tomatoes has ninety four percent. Dang. Dang. It's so, score. yeah, and the, and it's it's like one of the it's like one of the top 100 movies of all time. It's on the National Congress or National A. Eh, I can't remember what the thing is anymore. It's on the list of 100, <laughs> like the most hundred right. most of influential movies okay. of all time, though. So 
that was interesting. And this film was the second to win all five major Academy Awards. Oh, wow. yeah. Oh, uh, best picture, best actor in a lead role, best actress in a lead role, best director, and best screenplay. And there's only been three films of all time that have made that distinction of getting all five awards. Yeah, saw Silence of the Lambs was one of the others. And yeah, yep, can't yep. remember the third one. I didn't remember what that. It was like a way old, older, yeah, older, older movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. Was this before The Shining or after The Shining that Jack so Nicholson? It was before. It had before. to be before, okay. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what was he in? They had to pay him. Yeah. 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 Like why? A why third of the so budget. High. No idea. Hold on. Let me <laughs> Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to. Also mentioned, the, of course, the native actor in here was Will Sampson, who played Chief Bromden. You guys may have also seen him opposite Clint Eastwood in The Outlaw Josie Wales. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he had supporting roles in a film called Orca. Didn't we see that one? Mm-hmm. That was like an older one, too, about a killer whale, like a killer, <laughs> killer whale that goes on a rampage. <laughs> kind of like Jaws. Yeah, like Jaws with a whale. <laughs> killer fish. Uh, the White Buffalo and Fish Hawk, and then he also played um, a sh- kind of a short role in Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to check that out now. Yeah. So he's had a few roles. It's it's kind of interesting. He always has these real serious type of roles, but he's a good actor. Yeah. I, I think he could have done a lot more. Yeah, one thing I saw about that movie White Buffalo you mentioned was that when they began filming, he stopped. He declined acting because he saw the producers were casting non-natives in native roles. Mm, wow. yeah. so, he refu- so he refused to act. Yeah. Right they halted, halted their, their shooting or and their then, filming. Yeah, then they said um, he also helped found the American Indian Registry for Performing Arts. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. What? That's hey, cool. Activist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Go Will Sampson. <laughs> well, well, before we get too far into talking about the movie, we got to ask Angel... Our fan here today. You just put me on the spot. We're going to put you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I'm out of here. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about um, why you chose this movie. All right. Uh, Yeah, so I was actually at home. And I remember what I was doing. I was working late. Kids were sleeping. And I was listening to podcasts. And I'm like, remember, you know, you guys got this one out. So I was checking it out. And I was, man, when I was listening, I was tearing up. I was laughing. <laughs> my auntie laugh was going in my room. I was like, I just at that point, I was really texted Cheryl. I'm listening. I got to be a guest. <laughs> but, yeah, so she's like, heck, yeah, come on. And, well, you know, what movie are you be interested? Man, I was like, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> and then it hit me about a second later. Oh, man. Maybe I should choose a kind of a funnier movie. But, man, there's humor in this movie, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, oh, for yeah. sure. Definitely. Um, I really liked it because there's, there's, I've always heard folks talking about it, but I, you never hear – all you hear is, like, the, the regular, the, the Native American, the depiction of the Native American from, from you know, a white perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it would be fun to, to chat about it. I think, I think Chief made the movie, mm-hmm. and he was such oh, a, a powerful presence. Yes. and. Yeah, I just so, yeah, that's why I chose it. I like awesome. I always liked it. I I enjoyed the movie. I think that <laughs> it gave a really good like depiction, like a truthful depiction of a mental illness and then really 
shed light on a lot of, you know, issues that indigenous folks face, like the silencing, like just not welcome and normalized in society. So like, I was just like, wow, okay. You know, and I really like that end where he's just like, boom, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that was, I thought it was a, co- a cool movie. So, And it's a, it's an older movie. So it is a classic. So a lot of people watch it, you know, because there's a native character in, in it, because we have to watch the native move, you know, what we consider a native movie is if a native is in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's good to go back to these early movies too. This So One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest came out in 1972. So it was one of the early movies where I think people were still like figuring out about natives, you know, and didn't know a lot. And well, I still don't. But. <laughs> it's even worse back then. Yeah, but it was even worse back then. <laughs> so it's kind of cool to be watching the movie. So if you haven't seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, go watch it. Come back, listen to the podcast. So the movie is based on a novel by Ken Kesey. Kesey, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and according to research, the movie does not follow the book. No, it does not. And the writer of the novel has never seen the movie. Wow. He's never watched it. Because he didn't want to... He didn't agree with it. Yeah, he didn't like (laughs) how they portrayed the movie because it was through the native's eyes. Yeah, Yeah. the the book. The book, yeah. The book book was narrated narrated by by Chief, yeah. Yeah, I've seen one, one article where it said he was at a hotel one night and he was flipping through the channels and stopped on this show. He was watching it, then a couple minutes in, he realized, hey, this is my movie. I gotta switch this out. Like, <laughs> Turn like, it off. <laughs> Did you guys find some other interesting trivia? Oh, just that um, the actor for Chief, Will Sampson, he's six seven, and they said that the you know the people that work that were looking for actors for the movie, they said they're just looking for a big tall Native American, and they went to a rodeo. <laughs> And, and they, they found yeah, him. Yeah, that's where they found him. Like, they couldn't, I mean, they couldn't find him there. So they just did, like, a interview <laughs> over the phone. And they're like, well, we'll just take you because you're tall. He, even though he never acted before or anything, but he did a good job. Heck yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They said they weren't, there weren't any giant Native yeah. Americans. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. They're just looking in the wrong area. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Navajo's one of the things I found, too, is that in the trivia piece is that if you look at the fishing scene when they're coming back on the boat from their crazy fishing trip and they pan across all these people that are watching on the shore, Angelica Houston is one of them that's watching. So oh. apparently they didn't pay her. <laughs> Because Jack Nicholson got enough, but she was dating Jack Nicholson at oh, the time. Oh, wow. And so she has a brief cameo as one of the <laughs> spectators on the dock. So I thought that was interesting. Like, oh, somehow got his girlfriend in there, too. <laughs> Weaseled her in. Weaseled yeah. her in there. <laughs> yeah, one, one thing I came across was that when the producers were shopping the, the movie, they came across... Or they, they're sending it out to these different production companies and uh, 20th Century Fox said they would do it, but only if they changed the ending where McMurphy lives. And Michael Douglas didn't want to do it that way. He's like, we want to keep it where McMurphy dies. Mm-hmm. And 
eventually that's how United Artists eventually distributed the film, it says. So mm-hmm. they wanted to change it. And you know, going into the movie, I was like, man, I can't believe he died. But if he lived in it, it'd be a whole different movie. And yeah. I don't know if I would like it. I, I don't think right. I would well, like it either. They said in the ending, the ending of the book is a lot different. They said that at the end of the movie, um, Nurse Ratchet kind of loses her power over everybody. They all just check out because remember they're all in there on their own. Yeah. yeah, so like he helped them realize, you know, we don't need her to be bossing us around or whatever. You know, we can live on our own. We can do this on our own. I wish they would have showed that at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like I feel it would have made the message more. I mean, they did show Chief leaving, but it, I think the message would have been more clear too if the rest of the guys headed out on her. Right. You know, man. I gotta say, I gotta be honest, the ending felt just to me. And I think I watched the movie a couple times right throughout my life, but I really watched it because we, we watched it uh, for a psychology course that I took. And I never noticed throughout my life except this past time I watched. But then um, when he comes in, you, 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 like, you hear what he's in there for. And he was, he was with an underage girl. Oh, right. And yeah. so I was like, oh, man. And so. You know, uh, yeah, for me, it was like, yep, see what happens? <laughs> <laughs> he needed to be the bottomized for being, a, to make excuses being a child yeah. like, well, molester. <laughs> well, she lied about she her lied age. About age she... He's like, come on, who's really in the wrong here? <laughs> Sick. Let's, uh, let's move into giving out our little feathers here on The Red Gaze. If you're a regular, you know that we give out little feathers for the various scenes um, in honor of Sasheen Littlefeather, who declined the Best Actor Award for Marlon Brando in protest of Hollywood's portrayal of Native Americans. So this, and interestingly, this uh, she did that one year after this film came out at the 1973 Academy Awards. Dang. So this was right about that time when wow. uh, Wounded Knee was going on. and um, So very interesting. So let's talk about our, our first feather we give out is our Fancy Dancer Feather. I would say my fancy dancing feather was when they're playing basketball. And <laughs> he finds, you know, at first he's trying to show him how to play basketball. You know, he's like, put your arms up. You know, he's acting like he doesn't, you know, he can't hear him. But then when they start actually playing against the guards and stuff, then he kind of, they toss it up to him and he kind of throws it in there. And then he's walking back all cool, <laughs> <laughs> kind of smiling. Yeah. Then pretty soon he's jogging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way up there. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I was like, oh, yep. And they're all cheering too. And I like that part. That part was my probably my favorite part. So Only one I love the Indians when they're playing ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when he throws that thing through the window and starts running, he runs to the nearest basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Somebody picked starts him up. The <laughs> starts the circuit. What about um, you, Angel? What's your what's your favorite? That was it, man. The when he just grabbed that sink and threw it through the wall and he was out of there. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was right with the, what is that, Martin and the other, who was his name, the other character? When they were yeah. cheering. Yeah, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so happy for him. Even that one guy who's always doom and gloom talking about his wife. Yeah. yeah he even gets up like, <laughs> what? The guy with the cigarette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he never wants to share his cigs. <laughs> oh, I was waiting to see them all run out of there. What I really liked about that scene is it's the the film begins with that music and then ends with that music and it's just kind of the the bells a little bit of the bells like you hear yeah. some kind of weird 
I don't know, other like instrument drum? or something. There there yeah, there's yeah, a drum there with some bells and stuff. And so they only play that at the very beginning of the film, and then at the very end when he takes off. I think I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, mine was when well, one was the basketball court because he got so fancy with his you know his skills, <laughs> and then the other one was when he starts talking, and he starts talking. Yeah. He says something and. Um, Jack Nichols is like, you sly bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's just like sitting there smiling, you know, like, oh my God, you know, yeah, I could talk this whole time. <laughs> Joke's on you, you know, yeah. just observing. To me, when I saw that, that's just how natives are. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we go into a new place, new area, and people think, oh, they must be dumb or they must not be smart or they must not be bright or something because they're not talking. But we're just there to observe, right. you know, to look around, to see our surroundings. And once we yes. get to know, then we're, like, open and we're talking and, you know. So that was one of my favorite parts. Right, because, like, I mean, even today we say kids that sit in classrooms, mm-hmm. like, you're taught to observe first. Right. Like, look first and watch and listen and kind of feel it out. And and then once it's okay, then you can talk. But it should be no surprise that he was like that. And he didn't, and it, and it was weird because he was mute and like they said he was deaf and mute mm-hmm. so how long of a period of time where he didn't trust any of those other people right. for Jack Nicholson yeah. to come in and to be like okay I can I can converse with this person and I'm I feel safe enough to be like cause like you go native kids are us as natives we don't we go into an area until we find somebody that we know mm-hmm. and we'll go yeah. and like, hey, find know. the other native yeah. in the building <laughs> and we'll talk with them or unless you know if it's a non-native we, find, we make sure they're okay to talk with right and then we open up and we laugh and you know yeah, yeah. so yeah. that was one of my favorite parts so you must have thought jack nicholson's character was the closest <laughs> thing to a native yeah. <laughs> why are you sneaking girls in and drinking yeah. in there and plotting to break out fighting the system <laughs> i like that scene too because he he says he says something like you you could you can speak in here all this time. And he's like, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> uncle. You bet. Real uncle, real uncle. Yeah. <laughs> His smile, too. It's yeah. just like, just sneaky, sneaky smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with the bus stealing scene when when Jack Nicholson used Will Sampson to get over the fence. And oh, yeah. He was watching him climb up that tree. and He's all he, cheesy. Yeah. They took him fishing. Well, what all? When he jumped in the bus, they picked up that girl first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They picked up, her name was Candy. He's like, boys, this is Candy. Candy, this is the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Call them the boys. He's so- like, are you guys really crazy? <laughs> <laughs> so I got a little bit of freedom for that day. That leads to my favorite scene. One of my favorite scenes is, <laughs> is um, and... I mean, obviously, my favorite scenes are the ones we kind of already talked about with Will Sampson. But one of the scenes without Will Sampson that was my favorite is when they get on that boat, you know, and they're all they're all putting their life vests on. And this this like supervisor of the wharf or whatever comes down and he's like, what are you guys doing there? And he's like, we're we're taking a fishing trip. This is um Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so. And they, and they all they they're acting all like, yeah, they all straighten up and nod their heads and look like they're. And then you look at him and you're like, yeah, they do kind of look like crazy, like crazy white, you know, psychiatrists. They almost look real. Yeah. That one with the big bushy beard looks all serious. 
He's the leading authority on something. <laughs> what was one of my favorite scenes? And then the other scene that I think was my favorite is not a not a funny scene, but a serious scene when uh, I can't remember McMurphy comes and um, try, oh he comes and he tries to get him to go right then and there, mm-hmm. and that chief kind of tells him how they've been working on him. He says they've been working on you, you know. They they've been working on you just like they worked on my dad and just like they work on all of us. And it was such a small part of the movie, but it to me it was like the whole point of the movie mm-hmm. about how institutions try to make you conform all the time. So when you think about it, your workplace always tries to make you conform. Schools always try to make you conform. Um, colleges and universities make you con- even though they say they're about freedom of thought or whatever they try to make you conform and that's and so this mental institution too it was like everybody just conform and shut up and don't cause trouble and do, you know don't right. do follow anything, the rules follow the rules and that's what he was t- telling him you know like they're working on you and they're gonna make you just like everybody else mm-hmm. and just conform just like everybody else so that was a kind of a cool part that I like too. Yeah, I felt like that was that was definitely one of the most powerful, powerful uh, lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, it really speaks to some white feminism and author, authoritarian power and like the power dynamics. Yeah, I felt mm-hmm. that. I felt that. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you guys got for your sneak up feathers? Well, I'm with the chief. Yep. Yeah. The chief. <laughs> I know. That's, that's not even up for debate. <laughs> right? It is so funny that the so the author of the book makes him the narrator. And there's a reason they, he makes him the narrator. And so, again, instead of allowing him to be the narrator or kind of bringing that out in the film, the white director defaults to okay, we're going to change it and make it about this white guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the another thing that's sort of frustrating about looking at Native films as a Native audience is like, dang, they can't even, <laughs> they couldn't even give us that. Like, what? Yeah, one of the lines he had in the movie. Probably had only a couple. Like eight. Yeah, and it's all like <laughs> yeah. two words, yeah, three thanks. words. Yeah. When he should have been narrating the whole movie. I know. Just goes to show how powerful our presence is. Yeah, because yeah. he made every scene, man. Right, yep. he did. He did. I found this quote because I was looking at the difference between the film and the book. And it says, Situations that held the deepest, richest symbolism that introduced the ideas of the fog and combine mm. were the hallucinations that Chief experienced. So what, what this quote was talking about is how they changed the whole point of the movie by eliminating chief's narration the film lost the essential reason for the novel the idea of the combine and the combine was a metaphor for the conformity in its detrimental effects on society making the biggest of men into rabbits and that's why the in the movie they kept saying oh you're big as a mountain and he, he i think at some point that will sampson character says i'm i feel as big as a mountain now or something like yeah. that and that's when he got out The idea of addressing conformity and the loss of originality was the sole purpose for which Kesey wrote this novel. 
He sought to uncover the ugly truth in society that the population is being slowly brainwashed. The film's discard for this theme was the central reason as to why Kesey refused to see it. So he knew that Native people are marginalized. Right. Yep. And yeah. that's why the, a Native person was the narrator. And this director took it then and twisted it and made it about the million-dollar Jack Nicholson. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did you guys... Did you guys have anything for the name moments? My name moment was kind of when... He just, I don't know if Candy was like his girlfriend or like who she was, but his friend or whatever. But I think when, he was just a run around. Yeah. You know? But when he was like, go with Billy in that room, I was like, okay. Cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> this movie did, or book or whatever didn't like women, <laughs> you know? It really didn't. Uh-uh. Not too ditzy at me. <laughs> or like Nurse Ratchet. Like, oh, freaking, yeah. Either evil prostitute or evil genius. <laughs> I think for me it was when uh, what's his what's his name Turkle that that older black guard. Oh yeah. When he comes out and he's really with one of those chicks. <laughs> that was like me. That wouldn't even happen. <laughs> and all, was, all of a sudden he was down to party. Yeah, <laughs> oh man. And then that other white nurse caught him too. She was really standing there looking at him with her hand on her hip and and then she let him go. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Okay. You tell no that way. girl to leave. Yeah, they really trashed the hospital when they had that party. <laughs> Even one of those one of the patients had that nurse ratchet's hat. Oh yeah. On. yeah. <laughs> she was like, give me my hat. It was all dirty. Oh, man. I think one was laying on the floor passed yeah. out too in the middle of the hallway. Only only thing was nobody was marked up. That was all <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been a true native party. <laughs> I guess my name moment was when McMurphy was trying to watch the World Series. And he had that, that group session going on. And they needed, I think it was 10 votes out of, I can't remember, it was like 10 out of 18 votes or, or 9 out of 18 votes or something to get it. And he should have known because he was teaching... He's already teaching Chief how to hold his hands up on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. He should have went to Chief first to have him vote instead oh, yeah. of going to all those other guys. Right, yeah. I was like, why did he go to these other guys? And the one that was dancing around with no dance partner. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Saying the national anthem, but he should have went to Chief first. I was like, that's what I would have did because he knew how to put his hands up. She would have did something. She, yeah, she probably would have did some change the rules because yeah. you know that's what they do. Yeah. You know, as soon as we stand up, <laughs> we change the rules. Yeah, then he couldn't even imagine, like, use his imagination to watch the World Series. She, you guys knocked that off. Getting, getting after him for pretending to watch the World Series. Man, that was some nurse. It yeah. really was. Mm-hmm. Mine was okay when Jack Nicholson first meets Chief. And he walks up to him and, you know, he's playing deaf and mute. And then he starts going, how? Or, you know, making it. more hoopy. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, like, really? We had to put this in there. That was like, my scene 86. <laughs> <laughs> that was my too, scene 86. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, really? And I was just like laughing. Because, mind you, I, I went to all white school. Okay. And in second grade, third grade, fourth, all the way up to we start when we started young, they were doing that to us. That's what they would do to us. They would, you know, war hoop or say how. And it's like, mm. oh, are you kidding me? Like, really? Come yeah. on now. Hey, one thing I've seen about that scene, too, was that 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 wasn't in the script. Jack Nicholson 
Improvise oh, that. Wow. Improvise that. Circle that was Jack Nicholson's Last and imp- cool points. improv skills. <laughs> yeah, they're real skills. <laughs> oh man, now that just I just rearranged my whole view yeah. of Jack Nicholson. And he's a Laker <laughs> fan too. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so, are we all agree in agreement that that's their scene 86? Yeah, what about a cousin feather? Oh, with Graham Green. But <laughs> it seemed like he, he could play almost any role in any movie we always, oh, we yeah. always talk about. Where he could have, he could be the main role in this in this movie. I mean, he wouldn't be the ladies' man that Jack Nicholson was. I can't imagine Graham Greene bringing floozies into the mental hospital. But, <laughs> Maybe but, Graham Greene could help him break out or something. <laughs> Philbert's homeboy would have. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was his name? What's his name? I don't even know. Ooh. Gary Farmer. Yeah, the Gary actor. Farmer. Yeah. <laughs> I think he would have been good in there. Yeah, he would have been good. So I am going to ask this question again, even though we're all going to agree. Who needed the smudge bomb? Nurse Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like you guys, have you guys seen that TikTok where they're like, come on, smudge, get up, see what happens, where they kind of, that person like falls down kind of passed out this much like, get up you got all those bad all that bad medicine just knocked you out <laughs> I think Nurse Ratchet is the the original Karen so oh, now, ooh, that yeah. she definitely deserved the smudge bomb oh she definitely did what was your so let's let's dog on her for a while <laughs> <laughs> let's dog on her what was your worst Nurse Ratchet moment like when you could have just oh. busted her. At the end, when she was um, using that Billy yeah, kid, like man. his oh, worst fears sure. against him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So bad for him. He was, was finally mean too. like, yeah, he was finally like standing up for himself, or you know what I mean. And then she just brought him back down right away. And and they and then at that that was like a key moment mm-hmm. for all of them to see that like how manipulative she was. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because they were all like scared of her in a way and mm-hmm. then when she did that to Billy they were all like like why did you do that mm-hmm. you know like they were all questioning her at that time dang yeah drove, she drove into suicide yeah mm-hmm. for sure for sure that was that was the, that was a tough one for me like that's the, that, that's the way it goes right that's the dynamic one of us got to pay mm-hmm. and that's what she was using her power to f- put fear into everyone mm-hmm. yeah that was a tough one he was on top of the world a little bit ago. Like, yeah. He was sleeping with that girl and partying all night. I know. Feeling like a man. He even lost his stutter for a little bit. Yeah. There after that. yeah. But, then, Woo. but then she made him stutter again. Yeah. Man. Yeah, like, because was... he was already in there for suicide. Mm-hmm. And right. then, yeah, yeah. And then he finally got his confidence back. So she back. knew his button. Like, she, yeah. knew, she knew his button. You guys were all talking about how um, Jack Nicholson's gesture was your 86. My 86 wasn't that. My 86 was when... Okay, I I looked at the different parts of this film. Like, My 86 was when the native had to kill Jack Nicholson. Like, why did it have to be the native? Now, when I was watching this, okay, we can go back to where he's sympathizing for his friend. But at the same time, I thought, well, they're also criminalizing him. Like, why did the native have to kill to to leave right you know so why why i mean i get you know his friend was not there they took that away from him but at the same time 
they to me they still criminalize him. But mm-hmm. I get the whole sympathetic natives, you know, that's my friend, all that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that was my eighty six. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I, sure. I had not thought about that before. I didn't like it because they made him a criminal and then he was able to walk free. And, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I was just a little too much mm-hmm. for me at the ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to bring you guys to the now valley. Now let's dig deep into this one. <laughs> she took us to the valley. Someone is going to take us to the valley. <laughs> Sorry. we Somebody takes us there. I'm sitting in those spots. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the one of the ones where I just ooh I just wanted to bust her was because when she um they were saying they were gonna send him back to prison you know they were like he's not crazy there's nothing wrong with him <gasps> oh mm-hmm. I hate uh, that part and too. She's, she's like, like no we can uh, help him we can help him <laughs> like oh I was like ooh. she just wanted that power <laughs> over yes him. she was oh. she had no intention of helping him but the the way she sat there with her you know like the expression on her face like oh we're gonna I'm gonna help him like. I was like, oh, my God. It just reminded me of all the institutions where they Mm -hmm. say, oh, we're going to help you. And the real, the underlying thing they want to do is make you conform. It just all those institutions, like schools, when you sit in the school and we're like, no, we're here to teach you. (laughs) But no, we're here to make you conform. Or she had that power to be like, go see the doctor. You know that guy that did the electric mm-hmm. stuff on him, like she and they all knew. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. When that was mine, when she when she chose to lobotomize him, that was like the ultimate. Oh man, somebody needs to cold clock her, man. Yeah, she can take everything. Like right. she just reveled in that power too. Of, you can only leave when I say you can leave. Right. Yeah. And you knew she was never gonna yeah. <laughs> let him go. And even if those guys volunteered, she was never gonna let them just leave. Tell him in all those group sessions, she'd focus on one one of the patients and just grill them and make them they think break, about, yeah. they break down. Make them think about their worst moment, right? And not try to help them through it, but just make them feel bad about like a shame what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened to her? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a Netflix. It's interesting you say that because there was a Netflix series about the the backstory of Nurse Ratchet. I tried to watch it, but it was too weird. It was a little too weird for me. I was like, wait, what? See, I, I didn't watch this movie before, but I seen my mom watching that. And so I watched like a little bit of it, but I didn't really get into it either. It was kind of, like you said, it was kind of weird. Yeah, it was weird. But um, so I was expecting Nurse Ratchet to be like super psycho and like crazy when I watched uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So I, when I finally watched it, I was surprised that she wasn't like how they were making her look in right. that TV show. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she was still evil, but they really made her, like, super evil in right. the Netflix yeah, show. Yeah, the Netflix one, it goes kind of over the top. Mm-hmm. Like, this one, and I think, like, the, there's, I mean, because she's a stand-in for, like, how society wants us to conform and mm-hmm. to shut up and behave and be quiet. Yeah. And, like, so it's more low-key. But I, I prefer that because mm-hmm. that's how it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how that's reality. of how Well, I mean, if you think about it, like maybe they just showed a simmer nurse ratchet, <laughs> you know, because if you think yeah. like if we go back in history and we go like residential schools, they weren't simmer. We mm-hmm. got graves going all over this, you know, yes. country. You go back to all these mental institutions, these asylums and you look back on the history. None of the nurses were very simmer. You know, because they also have graves that are that people had died in them. 
So maybe it was just a the movie was just a simmer version of her, and then they go into Netflix and they able brought her the the, the real, real evil <laughs> that she was. What was that Netflix before Cuckoo's Nest supposedly or after? It was before. It was supposed okay. to be her backstory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. why she was. Mm-hmm. So we got a mellowed was. version of her in Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, she's old. She's an old lady. Because <laughs> <laughs> if she was able to be like you know, bring Billy back down to where he was wanting to kill himself. Like, she's not a nice lady. Mm-hmm. She's, she's super evil. And be mm-hmm. like, hey, go to to the doctor and get, you know, yeah, get your brain taken out. Yeah. yeah, or whenever she'd send them to get that electroshock therapy, too, that was messed up. Just because they were mad that she wouldn't right. be reasonable, you know. Mm-hmm. That was a good scene when he comes back. He comes back in, they're in that group meeting. He's kind of really cool. Oh, yeah. And, like, he's a zombie. Oh, yeah. I, felt like, I felt like that was his dig at her. He was like, psych. I felt so bad. I was like, oh, no, they got him. Why are we watching this movie? What are they making me watch? This is so sad. He came walking in like a zombie. He did. Acting like he was not all there anymore. And he went psych. And he was like, hey. Everybody got just happy. Danny DeVito's face lit up. Yeah, he was good, Jack Nicholson. He was corrupting all the patients. Teaching them to gamble with their cigarettes. First Ratchet had to keep her cigarettes locked up because they were losing them. He had all the cigarettes or he won all their cigarettes. And he had like those deck of cards. Oh yeah, those nasty. You know, real rugged guy. I wonder why, uh, what was it, the chief was so uncomfortable with him. He's like, bruh, he showed up. Remind me of my uncle. (laughs) You make me miss home. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to ask a new question that we've never asked before. Why does this movie speak to Native people? I know, obviously, it's because there's a Native in it, but why do we like this movie, or what's so interesting about this movie as a Native person? I think just, um, like, the way Will Sampson is really quiet and stuff. Kind of like what Mariah said, we're always quiet because we don't feel comfortable in the main stream of, you know, with all these other people. There's not that many of us, you know, we're like a small, there's only, like, like we make up, like, 0.1% of the population <laughs> or something in this country. So, you know, we're, like, really a minority. And I just think, like, you know, we we can kind of understand why Will Sampson is like quiet in the movie. You know what I mean? You don't you don't want to be around all these people, and and I would think like he's probably in there for you know just because he's a native guy. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and this is back in the day, so you know we weren't allowed to do our like cultural like praying or any of that stuff. I'm and this is 1972, so yeah, I think we were still banned from doing all that stuff. So like, in the back of my mind, that's in my head. Like, that's why he got thrown in, maybe. You know, maybe they're praying or something, you know, and throw him in there. And that's his way to just keep himself safe from everybody is to just be quiet, trying to protect himself, you know. And that's mm-hmm. what we do. We, mm-hmm. we do. We stay quiet, and we just want to stay safe. Yeah, I think um, I think we just, we, we can identify, right? And I think it speaks to, like, mental illness and, you know, being mindful of that and how that trauma has 
is lives within us, but also like the resilience and the and the beauty and the way that humor mm-hmm. is yeah. brought in, mm-hmm. you know, like finding survival and then just that lighting, you know, that lightning lightening up your spirit, you know what I mean? You light that up and like that's what we see in 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 chief. He's like Oh yeah, he's still here because he he does. He mm-hmm. goes mm-hmm. in for survival, and he's just trying to make it by. And then all of a sudden, he's like, "Yeah, I'm here. I am. Let's go. Yeah. Boom. We gonna bust some walls <laughs> down. You know, yeah. uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna make it. You yeah, know, I'm gonna make it out there. <laughs> like for me, I think I relate to it not only because of Chief as well, but also it really reminds me of IHS mental health or behavioral health. <laughs> <laughs> Now I know some nurse ratchets at IHS. Nurse ratchet looks like she's right out of IHS. Treating you like that. She looks like the one that gave me my my vaccine shot. yell around <laughs> just wants to get mad yeah <laughs> and maybe some natives related to jack nicholson you know the crazy the humor yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> angel's like my boy <laughs> so like that's just how i saw it you know there it w- it wasn't in his perspective but you could tell you know that mm-hmm. there was two sides of natives in there the quiet mm-hmm. one and then the outgoing one so mm-hmm. Well, I did a deep dive. I was curious too, like what was, what was this all about? And and prior to this, when the first couple times I've watched the movie, I didn't realize that it was based on a book. Yeah. And so I found out that in the book, he's actually he has PTSD. That's why he's in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, from World War Two, and he also has um, paranoid schizophrenia. So he actually does have a mental health issue, but it's like. It's more from the PTSD that he's in there. So apparently throughout the book, you can't tell what's real and what's not because he has delusions and things like that. But I think about how he acted in the movie. You would never tell he really had a mental illness. Right. You know, he didn't get violent or do anything like that. He was just, he just was like low key. I think like Will Sampson really gave it the dignity that yeah. we would have. Right. As Native people, you know, like, we're not running around, you know, screaming. And, like, they depicted a lot of the other characters in here, which I think is also interesting. I was wondering if, like, maybe did the director know that or do that or the writer know that? Did he know Natives? I don't know. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's also kind of sad, you know, because, like, not to bring us back down to the valley. But, <laughs> yes, here we go. Sorry, sorry no, <laughs> ready, guys. <laughs> Natives are right. We keep it inside. We don't act a fool out there, and, you know. <laughs> tell everybody, "Hey, I'm crazy," you know. Yeah, so yeah. I just, yeah, you, I totally agree. You know, we we totally reserve ourselves because I didn't know why he was in there. Yeah, that was a tough scene watching him watch Jack Nicholson head out. Like for me, that was a tough scene, you know. And you could just see him living vicariously through through Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh man, just go, Chief. You know, that's <laughs> like, no, just get out of there. I like the whole concept of the movie, which is like, which you don't really get from the movie, but um, you kind of do once you know the backstory of the of the book, is that, 
you know, he talks about being big as a mountain all the time Mm -hmm. and how like society and these institutions just wear you down and wear you down until you feel little. Right. And then at the end of this movie, like he felt big, he felt big enough to lift this huge stone thing and throw it through this window. He got that, that feeling back. And I think some, that's something too that Native people, because at the I remember the first time I watched this, I was just like crying yep. at the end <laughs> when, it's when he when he gets out, and I'm like, oh, so cool. And I watched him till he was just like little dot, because it was like we all could relate to that throwing off that control mm-hmm. and just being free. You know what that really feels like? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And I still feel like you know, as natives, we try to fight. It's hard for us because we have to live in this day and age, but we also want to try to keep like our culture and our traditions. You know what right. I mean? So it's like always a fight, and inside, I feel like inside of us. Right. You know? So I, I kind of feel like that's like for me seeing him like break through like that. That's him just accepting like that he can do both and he can right. make it. You yeah. know, it's okay to be proud of your culture and mm-hmm. your tradition still. Totally. Definitely, society has tried to, with the government especially, trying to just stop us at every, every <laughs> yeah. thing, you know yeah. what I mean? Every roadblock. Yep. Like yeah. the government was our nurse ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. And we all gotta be chief. Yeah. <laughs> Any last thoughts about this movie? Watch the film with like an sure. open mind. Young, old. Just it, it. I know it's an old film, but like even now. It has relevance. It does. It yeah. still does. What is it like? Four decades later, it's mm-hmm. still such a such an influential political film. Mm-hmm. Definitely entertaining too, as well. Jack Nicholson does a great job. All those actors creep. do. Yeah, just the <laughs> creep in there. Yugi <laughs> is kind of. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say this though. One criticism of the film, it's still made a white savior. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, there's still a white savior. Right. You know what I mean? Even though it really wasn't a of native movie in the traditional sense that, you know, like dances with wolves or someone where there's a clear <laughs> white savior, but they still centered Jack Nicholson as being the white right. savior because they made him the reason why Will Sampson left. So you get the sense that, oh, if it wasn't for McMurphy, then he wouldn't have done that. He but right. stayed in there. Yeah, he would have mm-hmm. just stayed in there and stuff. And I and in the book that wasn't the that wasn't the case. And so like I still don't like that they made a white savior, but I'll give it a pass, because I like Will Sampson. <laughs> Jack Nicholson is a Lakers fan. <laughs> I um, I didn't read the book. You know, I haven't read up anything much on the book other than, than I know that the narrative was different and it was through the lenses of Chief, but like I, th- I, I wondered um, watching the film if he stayed in the, in the hospital because it may have been more safe than actually what is happening out in the world. I mean, that was something that went through my mind um, because mm-hmm. I feel like it wouldn't have been too hard to break out of there. You know what I'm saying? Because he was a really smart dude to just mm-hmm. to go mute like that and just have yeah. everybody leave him alone. I, I always wondered that. I wonder if that's where he stayed for safety. You know, because what were the options at that point? I think it was the ideological barrier. Mm-hmm. And like what we were talking about, like making yourself big as a mountain. You know, when you find out like, oh, he had PTSD he was probably really beaten down, but right. once again, by the system, by the army, probably, you know, by war, you know, by all these, by coming back. You know, and he being, felt safe in that 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like that yeah. He felt because he could. He was left alone. He didn't yeah. have to ask questions. He didn't have to answer them. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And when you think about it, like so many of um, Native men get institutionalized yep. when they go into prisons and things like right. that. You know, then when they get out, they they don't feel safe anymore because that was just like a real, you know, small place for them. And you have to get free of that ideological barrier first before right. you can get free of the physical one. And I think that's what was so cool about this film because he he busted out of that ideological <laughs> barrier, that prison that they were holding him. Man, I was just really waiting for him to just rip the dang shirt off and just <laughs> run. <laughs> he should have um, he should have shot a three on his way out. <laughs> Did a little grass dance move. <laughs> That's a good film, good film. Good film. So you heard it here from the Red Gaze. We didn't go in hard on this one, so. Took it easy on me. Took it easy on me. Yeah. (laughs) We want to thank you so much, Angel, for joining us. Thank you for bringing this movie to the Red Gaze and to the listeners. Like we said, if you haven't seen the movie, make sure you go see it. It's definitely a classic and one that you'll have a lot of thoughts about. Thanks again for being on the fan favorites. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so keep listening to The Red Gaze. Uh, Next up, Dances with Wolves. Flutes and feathers, eagles cry. No more saviors, no more lies. Waiting for better days. We'll be here with our red gaze. Hey, oh, hey, ah, hey, oh. Here, here.